Welcome to Aesthetics Mastery. I'm Dr. Tim Pierce, and I'm here today with Director of Skin Viva Training, Miranda Pierce, who's also my wife, and Hi. she's standing in for Adam today. And we're going to discuss how to master anatomy for facial aesthetics. It's exciting for me because I've never done Aesthetics Mastery podcast. And also, I hang out with and spend a lot of time with you guys, the listeners. And so I feel like, although I'm not a clinician myself, I think I've got a really good place to start from in terms of probing you about how I could become a master at anatomy. Not me, but as an, another clinician. How could another clinician become the master that everyone wants to be? Everyone wants to, no one wants to be in a position where they don't, you know, get this most fundamental tenant of aesthetics. Yeah, and you support a lot of clinicians through your, um, through your Facebook group to yes. actually get better and progress. And certainly anatomy is one of the key pillars of progressing um, in facial aesthetics. Why do you think that is? Like, why, just give it to me in the basic form. Like, why do we even need to worry all that much about it? Well, uh, th- there's a couple of reasons. Firstly, you can, you can get started with some really, with anything that's superficial, um, people get the feeling that they can understand that. You know, it's like, it's only a little crease. If I inject that, it'll go away. That's where it all starts. It doesn't feel like you need to know loads of facial anatomy initially. Now, they're wrong, but that's, that's often sometimes how you feel. It feels a little bit doable. As soon as you start to do anything more than little creases, you start to get this nagging sense of what, you know, you should know, you should have a nagging sense of what's mm. going on underneath there. Yeah. Um, and that, that's not to say, obviously, there should be no one, certainly no healthcare professional who's injecting without knowing the basics. But it's a very different thing knowing the basics and having essentially what you're building with your anatomy knowledge is a, a real sense of your of where you are, where you're positioned in space relative to all the important structures. Yeah. It's, it's really different to, well, it, I always say the difference is like the difference between having a map and knowing your way is very different. You love direction. So that sense of knowing exactly where you are in space is very different to knowing that you've got a map with you. Mm. Um, it's, it's a different world, in fact. And that's what you're trying to get to with mastering your anatomy because you feel you've got all your key bearings. You can, make then, you can then make decisions and judgments that feel like they're based on reality rather than a stab in the dark, literally. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a different world when you, get, when you develop that confidence in your own anatomical mental model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's a great place to start? I mean, how can I progress my anatomy knowledge? You know, how can I, how can I take the first step on the road to mastery? Well, most people will start with, with textbooks. And I do recommend, obviously, that's a great place to start. You're going to, you, you're going to pick up different things from different textbooks. They're all two-dimensional. Um, and that's probably the first thing is that most people think that knowing the two-dimensional, being able to label all the arteries is it is a good step, but you rapidly feel like when you, as soon as you're confronted with a real face, you realize this is different. Mm. It's three-dimensional. It's an individual person with a slightly variations in anatomy. And that sense of clarity that you get when you can finally label all the arteries, which is a good place to start, um, disappears when you're actually confronted with a patient. Because I think inherently most people realize it's a bit more complex than this. Like this isn't, you've learned the academic anatomy but you haven't learned clinical anatomy like it you have to take it to the next level and make it real for this particular patient mm. um, and that involves um, basically an extra step which is what what I recommend you do after you've done your textbook reading textbook yeah. reading is great um, but you but, need to do more but people often ask which are the good textbooks and I, I think it's fair to say this industry isn't sort of swimming in amazing accessible textbooks is that right would you say yeah. it certainly got better right there's certainly more than there were when when I started out um, could we could we link below maybe afterwards some links to yeah, some good, yeah. Um, probably the, the one I find it, it's all it's cadaver based as well so the, uh, called facial to, facial topography Facial topography, I think it's just it. I'll link below. Um, but that's that's one of the, the most beautiful textbooks I've yeah. got. Loads of great pictures. Do you remember how much it was out of interest? I it was think, expensive, so yeah. a few hundred quid. A few hundred quid. Cause that's it was the thing. maybe even 300 quid or something. It was the most expensive book I've ever bought. Yeah. See, that's the thing, isn't it? It's like that we're probably going to go through now like a ladder of the of the different and increasingly better ways to skill yourself up. But if I'm making a decision... If you're saying, well, the first rung in the ladder is a textbook and they're not, they're not the shizzle, you know, then that's going to make me think, well, should I even bother? Or, you know, I don't know whether you have any thoughts on that. 
I, I definitely think you need you right. you should bother. Um, it doesn't have to be the three hundred quid version, but you you need to have some reference that 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 you're starting to integrate this knowledge into. Um, into your practice maybe, but maybe the reason I'm saying that is because I know that uh, this is not I don't mean this to be a plug but at Skin Baby Training we have amazing manuals for people who come and train with us so maybe if would it, is it enough to have for example our manuals but I suppose a lot of people who are watching this won't have come to us well it's it's certainly helpful to having to having a manual but the, the, the next sta- stage on the process I'm going to say is actually actually it, it's the it's how you utilize that information right. in day-to-day practice and that comes from your first training course. You should be on those days realizing how anatomical knowledge affects your decision making. Right. And that that's the most vital component of it. And what happens as you get better is your resolution for those decisions goes up. So what you, do you mean? So your so it's the it's the resolution of your anatomy, for example. Like if you look at a, a diagram of a face, you can tell, for example, that your superior labial artery runs above your lip. That's a bit different to knowing, to getting the sense that a millimeter or two is going to make the mm. difference between being in it and near it, yeah. and you start to you start to get that sense. Like I'm pretty confident at one position in the, in the vermilion border that there's no chance I'm going to be in an artery. Because a little, you've dealt with real human beings, you mean? Yeah, it, it it comes from all the factors. I mean, it helps massively seeing it in a real, you know, in a, in a, that's you know the ultimate, the gold standard is is cadaver studying a cadaver, which we're lucky enough to be able to do and to offer. But it it's actually formed by multiple things. Like some of it can be a soundbite that goes in on a particular training session. You know, I, I remember I still use this analogy myself: the the Loch Ness monster. So the archery moves like the Loch Ness monster, bouncing along the Vermilion border. That's, that that's, <laughs> that goes into my head as a as a snippet that I that I use to navigate. Um, so it's it's that kind of thing. You might get a snippet from one person talking about anatomy. You might get an insight from a photograph and a book. Um, you might go in a cadaver class and actually see it. Um, and all of these things they start to build your mental model. Yeah. So um, it's a little bit like if I go back to the analogy of knowing the way. If you if someone showed you a map of Manchester and how to get in a, in a black and white map, you'd be you'd it would help, but a color map might be slightly better. You know, an aerial photograph is mm. the next step up, and then actually walking there mm. would give you a totally different uh, experience. I think that's a really good way of putting it. So basically, you're saying they're all valuable. Yeah. They're all valuable. Do all the things, but there is in that way that you stepped up that example of the maps, there is a sort of a logical sequence that ends in cadaver training and starts with a textbook and, you know, your 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 foundation training mm. and, the, and the manuals that come with that. I would actually just add it actually never ends yeah. because it's so complex. Yeah. And there's so many varieties of anatomy as well. So you can learn about the facial artery and then and then suddenly discover that there's a thirty percent of people have a totally different variant. Yeah. And then you're starting to build in two variants at the same time. Mm. And of course, there are other variants that aren't even on there. But you know, you, you're continuously making it more sophisticated. And every time you learn something new, it, it the best thing is when it actually affects your decisions. As I said, so that process of thinking actually, there's a thirty percent chance that the artery is going to be in that spot. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to switch to using, for example, a cannula there instead yeah. of a needle because I can get the same result. So why take the risk? Yeah. So that, that's when you get really sophisticated and you, you're moving away from the, the paint by numbers approach to injections, and you're starting to vary your approach for individual patients individual anatomy average anatomy um and it all it you know it's never it's that's one of the thing i love about aesthetics it's never boring like there's so much to think about but so here's a question for you to what extent should you learn your anatomy in the field so i sometimes see people because i look after the, the group that you refer to as the medical aesthetics mindset warriors so many people in this industry have many we all do you know mindset issues weighing down on us and one of the things i sometimes see is that people will say to me i am not going to start my practice until i have done every single training under the sun i and they, they're often kind of congratulate themselves a bit about this because they're thinking that they are being perfectionist and you know that is laudable but I often think to myself but will you ever start because it is, is it just fear that's stopping you now I don't it's not don't need to have a conversation about fear but maybe an alien coming down and looking at this would say would agree with that person you know you should absolutely study until you're blue in the face before you actually get out into real human beings so but then can you really learn the full extent of it from a textbook or a cadaver course or whatever 
I, I don't think it goes into the same place in your brain until, yeah. you're, until you're actually using it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, that's what clinical anatomy is different to just anatomy, is that mm. you're, you're, it's, the, it's the interface between what you know and what you do that actually grinds it into, into crystallized knowledge. And so, useful knowledge. It's that's the thing. It's not. It's not just intellectual. It's actual. You're actually utilizing it to make decisions. The interaction between what you know and what you do is where the magic happens. Is basically what you're saying. Yeah. You can know all. You know. You can have a master's degree in anatomy, but do you actually? Do you do it? Do you? Yeah, do you really know? I bet if you took someone with a master's degree in anatomy and asked them to inject a face, they would be terrified. Yeah. Because they'd never done that. That's before. interesting, isn't it? So yeah. you you've got to combine the two, and and actually you're constantly doing both. You're learning some anatomy and applying it, learning and yeah. applying it. If you try and learn it all and then apply it, well, it's still going to be terrifying because you haven't applied the basics yet. Yeah. So the the trick is to find, um, get your core injections straight so mm-hmm. that you know your everyday stuff like you need to know that before you start that's basically what your first training sessions should be covering you should know specifically that injection point where where they are what how your technique is guaranteed not guaranteed because nothing's guaranteed but it's as safe as anyone else's for that one individual injection um and then you know your i always can tell like the difference between i always say that the difference between a, someone who's a healthcare professional and someone else's injecting is that they should eventually know what happens in terms of risk when they move their needle a centimeter one way or the other way um, or half a centimeter even or at three millimeters that's the sign that you've integrated your anatomical knowledge into everyday clinical practice and it's something that you can see by the, the non-medics injecting on instagram they haven't done that at all just that, just as a, a brief to help me with that why just because they didn't are you saying they don't because they didn't start with the baseline and also they don't possibly care all that much i i genuinely think that Certainly years ago, there was this meeting, it was just an injection and people picture, you know, that uh, someone giving a deltoid injection for uh, immunization. It's just an injection. There is that. I think it's getting better because of all the conversation online. But certainly five years ago, it was like, if you inject it and it looks better afterwards, you've done the same job as anyone yeah. else. And because there's an element of chance, even a bad injection, you can get away with doing it badly yeah. lots of times. So there is amongst the non-medics who've been injecting a long time, and not all of them, because obviously they're all individual people, and yeah. some of them have put loads of extra time and effort into learning anatomy, but many of them just haven't, or yeah. they're oblivious. It's that blind spot thing. Yeah. Um, I just did my GP review for the year where they analyze your your practice, and that's one of the big conversations I had with my assessor is, how do you know where your blind spots are, mm. and how do you keep closing them? Mm. Um, and I do think there's a whole realm where they're non-medical, where the blind spots, they will be oblivious of them and unless someone, you know, it's, it's a whole heated debate, isn't it? But it's different. But that brings us nicely back to this conversation because if I'm, you know, um, I don't know, like a, a nurse, you know, Debbie from Southampton, and I want to become a master in aesthetics, I am also worried that I... I have blind, blind spots. So help me close my blind spots. Well, you should be worried, but that's part of what your professional... Yeah. That's part of what the professional system does. It it's makes good that Debbie... Blind, yeah, it's yeah. good that Debbie so, worries. So yeah. she ha- Debbie has to have an appraisal every year, yeah. and she has to talk about closing her blind spots, and she also has to go looking for them in order yeah. to pass her appraisal. I mean, that's yeah. essentially what, what I do in my appraisals, that I actually think back at cases and think, what could I have done differently? Yeah. Um, what extra do I need to know? And then you, you learn it and you reflect upon it. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so yeah. So let's carry on with the journey, the ladder of anatomy, anatomy mastery, and anatomical mastery. So we've got our textbook. We've done our foundation course, so that we have obviously the, the books that come with those, the manuals that come with those, and we've started to inject real human beings or um, maybe models. You know, the um, there are different types of models. Maybe uh, do you have any thoughts around models? Um, are there any you know you see people using polystyrene models you know is there any benefit yeah so that? The, obviously the closer you get to reality the better the problem i i mean the model i gave up trying to buy one and we as you know i made one and that was that was an amazing learning experience because <laughs> plasticine model you, yeah you the made, first one yeah. i did plasticine i tried to do it with plastic later which i did do but it's a lot harder because you've got to melt the plastic and restart it all the time but but it's really good actually physically it's once again it's that interface between what you know and what it actually looks like because you think you know where the artery is until you actually try and place it relative to the muscles in the diagram that you in a 3d sense yeah yeah and suddenly you realize it's it's slightly more complex than a thought 
Um, so that's a really good way of, uh, of learning as well. What about the, um, the ones that you can inject? Like we have Debbie, she's also called Debbie in the, in the yeah, clinic. I'm not a big fan of that model. It's not accurate. Okay. And that really annoys me. Do you mean the one that's in the SVT room that we discarded? Yeah, well, no, it's, it's around. Yeah. It's not. Yeah, I mean, th- those, that's the only model we've got that's got anatomy. The rest of it's got surface anatomy on, which is good. I mean, as in you can see the crease. You can't see what's underneath. But the, the one that we inject, um, we obviously, as SVT, we, as can be training, we inject humans. But we do have one that sort of goes around the clinic that we can kind of, you can, you can use. She doesn't have anatomy on her, apart from the fact that she's looking like a human. But would you recommend anyone just buy one of those and, and, and kind of have a go with them? They're useful for injecting. You'd, you'd need to, it's the same thing. You'd still be needing to use your theoretical knowledge and apply it to the process, the, the interface again. Um, you'd, you'd be able to use some of the bony landmarks to know what you were doing but there's nothing else on those models that are that so that's are, more about injection technique yeah. yeah but they're useful in terms of the interface like that's a low risk way a zero risk way of of going through the process of interfacing your knowledge with with an inje- with injection technique so they are useful but they're quite expensive again you yeah, know, I, 400 each or yeah i don't think we'd be recommending go and buy yourself a debbie the head because yeah well it depends where you are that i think yeah, some clients like to have that kind of thing around a clinic. They're a bit weird, though, aren't they? They look a bit like someone's face <laughs> stuck on. I've sometimes have have clients walking in and they're a bit like, "Ooh, who's, <laughs> <laughs> who's she?" <laughs> so we, we had to had to take Debbie out of the clinic. <laughs> she is actually called Debbie. So um, you you've you're, you're beginning in this ladder that we're talking about. We've begun to move from the process of le- of reading and understanding it sort of theoretically to actually implementing it. So tell me a bit more about that stage in your mastery program. So impl- implementation is, um, what I always try and encourage people to do is at the point of injection to get the core anatomy in the forefront of their mind. Some, and there's a lot to think about at that point, at that moment where you're deciding to put the needle in, but that should be the last thing that goes through, goes through, through your head. And that's the early stages of making the decision using anatomy to, to inform your decisions as opposed to just thinking about injection technique because sometimes people get too overwhelmed with the, the needle mm. um, and the plunger um, and the patient's response is a heck of a lot to think about if yeah. you think about it in that moment but the, the last thing should be well actually it's not the last thing because you should plan your injection first around the anatomy so where's the artery where's the fat pad what am I likely to to touch when I'm in the right place like often you're aiming for the periosteum so at the point where you touch the bone what angle should you be at? And then you, you should be shaping that almost, um, well, it's, it's navigating, isn't it? So the, as, you, as you're as angling the needle in, you're imagining, is it getting closer or further away from the artery I'm trying to avoid with the mm. angle that I'm choosing? Mm. And the more you use that, the more certain you feel. So if you, for example, take the nasolabial fold injection, risky injection, runs facial artery runs in your cheek, dips into the nasolabial fold, and some people like the Loch Ness Monster, mm. um, if you're angling down to touch the, the periosteum, but you're angled, for those of you who can't see me on in audio, I'm, I'm pointing slightly up towards, uh, as if I was sliding the needle in, it would be heading towards my the opposite side's cheekbone. At that angle, I'm getting slightly closer to where the where the artery might be meeting um, the nose. So, if I change the angle slightly less, so that so if I keep so that it's now pointing at the mid cheek on the opposite side of my face, I'm going to be slightly safer, mm. and maybe slightly more the other way I'd be slightly further away from that artery even more so so the angle when you know where the artery is you know how your angle of entry Mm -hmm. affects your proximity to that artery and that that's an example of using the anatomy to change your technique slightly it's tiny changes it's it's barely perceptible but when when you think about it a lot it becomes intuitive I know where the artery is I know where where I don't want my needle tip to end I know what I'm going to touch when I when I'm in the right place now I go for it with all those thoughts in my mind. I hit the right place. I'm ready to inject after I've aspirated. Um, that's the process you're wanting to get to. When, when your anatomy isn't ironed out and you only know the name of the artery, mm. that's a very uncertain feeling. Yeah. Like it is, you're going into the dark. Mm. Now, obviously, everyone's, we're always, there's always an element of the dark, unfortunately, because you never, every, each individual is different. But the, the more light you can shed on it, the more confident you feel and the more accurate you'll, you'll be. Now, the way many people's mind works is that we want as much certainty as possible i think actually as human beings go you'll probably deal quite well i think if anything you like the creative process of of coming up with that mind map but if i'm you know it if i'm less confident and perhaps less that way inclined and i would 
really, if you could just give me a paper by numbers, Dr. Pierce, that would be really good for me. Is that possible anatomically or do we have to accept that it is never going to be paid by numbers and that people are going to have to make their own mental mind map and, and, and judge it on a case by case? Well, that's interesting. That's a really interesting point. Obviously, things like MD codes are meant to be a code of where you inject. Um, and, you know, I, I, I do teach those as well. Um, there are other coding systems. Um, I think they are the output of a very sophisticated algorithm. I still think you need to know the algorithm in order to inject in a way that feels safe, even if you do the same. And it's basically because faces are all, you, if everyone had the same face, you could do exactly that. But there are, there are really big differences in the size of your cheekbone and the angle of your jaw and the fat pads that hide things are like huge. Obviously, everyone's unique. So if you, if you don't have a, if, if you're not feeling like you're varying that point according to anatomical structures, it still feels a bit blind, even if you're like, I'm pretty sure it's the right point. Like, unless you're making, personally, this is how I inject, I'm continuously trying to weigh up all the, all the anatomy and the point and the aesthetic goal that I'm trying to get to mm-hmm. um, and the response from the patient and how, you know, what I'm expecting to, to, you know, if it's bone, when I'm expecting to touch it and then trying to inform that constantly. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's enough to have a paint by numbers approach. Mm-hmm. I think you can definitely get started that way. And there are certain positions where you can be really safe like uh, you know i think if you're for example if you're injecting a chin in the midline and you're touching the bone you're not close to any major arteries you can probably inject there fairly confidently and with knowing only that anatomy that you're touching the bone in the middle of the face on the chin so that that's an example where you don't need loads but if you're if you're starting to get into the mid face and you're starting to inject there you're going to need to know i i think personally to feel confident in that arena you're going to have to have a more sophisticated understanding of the anatomy um, in order to in order to feel a bit freer. Mm. But what about that example you gave us so good? I know it'll be hard for the people on audio, but the way that you are, the angle at which you are injecting the nasolabial fold, could that be a paint by number? I mean, could you be giving people a tip right here, right now, you know, inject in that particular way so that you always inject like this at this angle? So that Yeah, there's definitely, that's the kind yeah. of thing that you do, you pick up from individual training sessions. Yeah. I'm going to use that, that makes sense. But you, you, you have to, it works a lot better if you're building it, if you're attaching it to a mental model mm. already. Like there's, that's basically what I do when I go to a conference and I hear like Arthur Swift will say something slightly different to, what Roger Killer said last time, and I'm, I'm continuously there's a contest going on in my mind between different ideas, and I'll say, well, I'm going to have that idea, and I'm going to incorporate that because it sounds like it fits better with what I know already, um, even though the, the people always contradict each other. So you build your mental model up, and something like that, a soundbite like that, might change my practice, mm. um, but it's not enough on its own. Like if you just have that soundbite, it's not enough. It might be enough to get you going for certain injections. Or as I said, there are some that are simpler than others, but you're aiming for as sophisticated as possible um, mental model. Okay, based on these these various things that we're talking about, these various different tools plus experience. Yeah. And implementing the tools. Yeah. yeah. So I'll give you just one other to make that more real. If you're treating a fine line, like a crease, somewhere where you know there are no major arteries, and it's not the labella, which has has got little arteries and important ones attached to your eyes, but um, that. You, you might that might be enough anatomical knowledge like I've got a little crease that crosses my chin here I know I'm very superficial that means I'm away from all the, all the core arteries I can tell by the depth of my needle that might be all the anatomy you need for there you don't necessarily need to know where all the muscles of the face are because you're above all the muscles so there are cases where it's simple but it gets more complex in different areas and, and that's what people feel is there are areas where they feel confident and there are areas where they feel a bit I don't really know yeah. I, haven't, I haven't completely built into my model what's under the skin there yeah, yeah. So when you say the mental model, you mean you mean a three D three D model of a face. Yeah. Well, yeah. we all have a mental model. It's just it's varying degrees of sophistication. Mm. Like um, I was noticing on a forum, someone someone once again one of these debates. Um, you know, I know anatomy. I've studied A and P at whatever level, like level four. I was thinking, you know, our son Jasper has also studied anatomy now, but he can't go around saying he studied anatomy because he only knows a few muscles in the arm and the, the core organs. So yeah, he's done some anatomy training, but it's different. There's different levels of depth and sophistication and you're trying to take it right, basically right to the top. If you're risking putting a needle into someone's face, you should have a degree level or above level of, um, of sophisticated anatomical knowledge.
Yeah. Okay. So how can we accelerate? If I'm kind of trundling along, I've got my textbook, I've done my foundation course, I've got my manuals that go along with that. You know, maybe I'm kind of calling on um, some sort of content on the web, etc. How maybe, you know, podcasts like this, whatever, how can I kind of get that rocking? I'm, 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 I'm keen, you know, I want to go straight to the top. So um, I think the most, the, the, the quickest way to get really good at anatomy is to utilize it as often as you mm. can. And that means, uh, and, and verbalize it as well. So I'm a big fan of, I, I've learned, the, the stuff I learned the most is the stuff I'm using to teach. Mm. And I realized only not so long ago that a good consultation is full of teaching. You're always teaching your client things. And many clients, probably about a third of people have the type of personality where they're really interested. The other two thirds are like, I'm glad you know it, but you don't have to tell me everything. <laughs> um, and, and the other third are like, oh, it's so boring. I'd rather talk about something else. Each to their own, you know, but it's, but there's definitely an opportunity within the consultation and within the actual treatment to show off what you know, even if that's something really basic. It, and that basically, that's what crystallizes your knowledge. If you start to explain to every patient that you see that the reason that their cheek is slightly narrow is because their lateral fat pad is, is shrinks and it tends to shrink before the medial fat pad, that, that just goes in. Like it's, a, it's only, you're only talking about fat pads, but it becomes part of your mental model too because you're thinking about it every day. Mm-hmm. Your brain does, is programmed to forget irrelevant stuff that it doesn't need. So it doesn't just remember it just because you want it to remember all the anatomy. It has to be useful to it. Mm. So make it useful by using it with your patients. That's such a good idea. Because as well, when you are speaking those words to someone, even if they, you know that they're not medical and they won't mind if you, you know, say it slightly wrong or whatever, you're going to be damn sure you're going to, that's going to go in really, really well to your brain. I think that's a really good idea. I know myself, when I've developed any skill, it's always been better if I've sort of journaled about it as well. So I do lots of social media content. And if I'm, my obsession is mindset. So if I'm, every single day I'm writing an Instagram post about a mindset issue of experience and how I've overcome it, oh my God, that goes in so much better. Uh, the, and then if I do a Facebook Live about it, then if I, then I just sort of read it in a textbook. Mm. So I think it's a really, really good tip. Make it practical. A really, um, could you just... Talk to us about an example of that, which I know you've already given one, but I think a super awesome example would be in regards to capillary refill. So if you're what, so you're sending someone away, and you are, it, like, we've we've had this chat, didn't we, with Gerps, where we were talking about he says, "I'm doing the capillary refill now," and he kind of says it out loud with mm. what he. So tell us a bit about that. What do you do? So that that's just a simple tip around how not to be constantly worrying about causing an occlusion is that you you just do the test after every time you've in- injected filler completely refill time but the the extra bit that also makes you feel like you from a mindset perspective you own that territory now you're not afraid of that is that you explain exactly what's happening so i'm now pushing on your upper lip to test that the blood flow is normal i can see when i release the blood is rushing straight back in and filling those capillaries so that i know that you've got normal capillary refill now half of that is just telling the patient what's going on but the other half is actually making it you know in the early days a lot of people don't are not reassured by capillary refill they're like mm. but what if it's still an occlusion yeah. we've seen this lots of times where people are freaking out where where actually when they first did the procedure they checked there was capillary refill for some reason it doesn't doesn't emotionally resonate when the mm. client comes back with a bruise the next day and capillary refill slightly slow they think immediately it must be an occlusion they almost discounted the fact that they actually saw the blood flow into the capillaries yesterday mm. so there's an element of it of it becoming not it's it's the it's changing it from an idea into reality like in terms of what's happening in your brain i'm sure there's something that clicks where you're like oh this is a real thing i actually saw blood entering yeah. the capillaries versus i did the test but it doesn't really mean anything to me mm. it's it makes it real when you use it every day yeah. and i have to say i'm a lay person and if someone said that to me i would be all over that i'd love that and if you suddenly just dropped a little bit of anatomy as well as you as you're saying i'm injecting the so-and-so here i would i would be like Ooh, wow expert yeah well it's something we know from the from the doctors that we've mentored um over the years to work in our clinic is often when they start they do a lot more drawing on the face and the client likes that you can't over communicate to a client even if they're not interested in the topic i think they're, they're generally reassured by it mm-hmm. so it's, it's a good it's a good thing to tell them what you're thinking yeah Okay, so we were talking about accelerating learning. Is there anything else I can do to kind of go straight to the top of mastery? Not straight to the top, but I'm implementing. Um, but what can I kind of, what's my next learning step? So w- once you've got the basics and you're interfacing with your clinical skills, um, the, the goal then is about three dimensions and resolution. 
So it's, it's about becoming, de developing a more sophisticated and more detailed knowledge in terms of millimeter by millimeter relationship to other structures like bone, for example, or other markings on the face. And, um, and then the, the, the actual re the resolution is a key one. So th that feeling that, because um, this is what I noticed when you first start training someone is they don't, they can't tell the difference between a centimeter um, in the wrong direction. It looks the same to them. Mm. Their resolution of the nasolabial fold is much poorer than mine. I have a very specific point that I use every time and mm. it's probably within a, a millimeter of mm. every single time because that's my mental model is making me stay there. If you don't have that that model of where things are, you, you're, you're just a bit more gross in your in, in your positioning. So you want to be increasing the resolution um, and that, that that's, as I say, it's, a, it's all using all of these things together, developing your model through the explanations that people give you through images that you find of cadavers and or, or of textbooks um, all the way through to doing a full cadaveric masterclass where you actually dissect the, the face yourself that process of exploration you can only do on a cadaveric on a cadaver course where you're actually opening up the tissue having a look at different layers um, seeing the relationship between the fat pad and the artery and the muscle and actually, it, I think there's something particularly about those courses where you where you're exploring, and then you find it. If it's a bit euphoric, it's like, all right, right, I'm pretty sure the artery should run here. Let's go looking for it. Oh my God, there it is. Wow. It's actually slightly. It's deeper in the fat than I thought, and I I, I didn't realize the muscle was so thick. That makes me feel safer. I now mm. know I can be a little bit more. I don't have to panic just because I'm in that area, yeah. because I've actually seen it. So wow, it, makes it, it must be quite I'm, emotionally powerful to be like, wow. Yeah, this is this is real. It's interesting. That's I think it's a, re a key element of it. Obviously, it's it's a moment because it's a dead body, so there is that intensity to it. But I think that helps you learn. I, I think it's 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 very it's, you can't have a blasé day at the mm -hmm. Dharma course because it's so it's so emotionally intense mm. um, that when you actually see it, it, I mean, I still I can actually still weirdly from the last one I did, I can still see I still see it in my mind the thing that I saw because so because it was a kind of. It was it was surprising, mm. and one of the things we, we had one of our house had a, a variation where it seemed to have three arteries supplying the top lip. They were small, but it was it was it was just it stuck in my mind. I can see the main one, and I can see the two other branches. Like I didn't re actually I hadn't actually thought of it that way because my model was more around the textbook model, mm. and actually seeing that extra complexity. They weren't in in a place that was surprising. They were, you know they were right level right. So it's not like I was terrified that this is so weird. Um, but it was just that extra level of detail that makes me think, well, if I ever saw um, an area of pallor up in that part of the lip, I would know that that's perfectly mm -hmm. possible, that it's not the main superior label artery, it's one of the others. So it's a, basically what you're saying is it's a powerful way to, way to build up this mental model you've been talking about, yeah. because, you know, it's real. But it's so interesting because your dad um, told me once that um, he's a psychologist and he was saying that memories are formed often in very intense emotional situations. So his first memory, I'm sure he won't mind me uh, sharing, is that he set the curtains alight um, when he was four. And he he remembers that and it's a similar thing isn't it not that you're setting these dead bodies alight but that you are you know it's just like wowza you know this is this is intense look at look we're all wearing the gowns and you know I'm, uh, these 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 cadavers are here and and so actually it it, it almost provides like um like a it, it's more like photographic memory because mm. you are taking snapshots and tableaus more in your mind because it's so very intense and i think there's there's something else you're right and there's something else which is it's it is an exploration versus a presentation right so and this might it might just be you know how on on holiday i hate going on guided tours because yes. you get told where everything's going to be and it's like oh well there it is so obviously there's an element of it being guided but there's also an element of exploration which is you don't know what you're going to find so there's always that uncertainty which makes it very engaging and then when you when you find particularly when you find the thing you're you're looking for there's that as i say there's a moment of euphoria because it's it's where you want and and that those emotions, I'm sure, are driving um, memory in a, in a more intense way than just looking at a picture of it. Yeah, because that's the thing, isn't it? We often do training courses and then there are times, with sometimes with training courses, it, you only really remember like one thing from the whole training course. And that can be a little bit disappointing. I, I, of course, it's different with aesthetics because you're doing and so you get this whole new skill. Um, but yeah, wow, that must be that must be very powerful. And um, I imagine as well with a cadaver course, is there an element of feeling kind of like proud of yourself like wowza like I actually 
I did that. Like I, I explored that. It's, it's almost like a bit of an honor, isn't it? Because there aren't that many people who can experience that. And, and so you almost, it's almost like, um, status isn't quite the right word, but you, you feel, you know, proud that you went there and you did that and you invested in yourself. Is that right? Yeah. Well, it's, it is a, it's a very serious matter. I mean, the, the, the people there have, I was, I never forget the first time I did one of those labs. Um, well, it was at university and, uh, you know, they did make a thing of these people have actually this is their final gift yeah. that, they've, that they've given the world and and you should honor that by being respectful and all those sorts of things and it's you know it's a it's a human body after all so that it's, it is very intense um it's not open to everyone you have to be healthcare professional you know keel university where we do ours i'm very clear on that mm. um so you know it, it is a privilege um and and an honor in many ways so it mm. does make it more intense yeah so with the good of course do you find that any delegates are a bit like almost a bit grossed out like oh my god i can't do it well actually we people are often they're they're worried that they'll be that way right and they find it's really different for some reason and in fact there were at least four from last time who had those concerns um including one of our team who was a bit worried about it who absolutely loved it on the day mm. so was really like really into it in a way that was almost the complete opposite of what yeah. you thought so you do you do get people who uh, we didn't have anyone who couldn't manage it some people choose not to touch and they want to watch instead, and that's fine. Um, but actually, everyone has been way better than than they thought they were going to be. Yeah, it's partly because the fresh frozen ones are, are less. They're, they're just more. Uh, it, they they look more like stage props, but just incredibly detailed. Right. And of course, the the other aspect is they, rem- they the the way the bodies are prepared is they don't have any identifying features. So there's no hair on them, for example. It doesn't feel like a real person in the mm. way that you think. It's obviously it's got all the detail, but without any of the personal personal aspects yeah so you mentioned who can't come so it's obviously only for the medical professionals that's going to be training would normally train but when is the right time to do a cadaver training like you know am i going to feel like an imposter if i go you know having only done you know let's say that i'm not doing Mm. crazy full face treatments yet am i applicable i think the the biggest i don't think it's a the the wrong time would be to do it before you actually knew the two-dimensional model right. in any detail. Like you should, you should know the names of the arteries, or uh, and you should know the names of the muscles, and you should know. Although those those would be the key, the key things, um, because if you go into it too too early and you're not, it's you won't have that euphoric moment of finding the thing you're expecting, right? Or not finding it and learning something new, or or finding it's not quite where where you're expecting. So I don't think. You, you certainly there's no point doing it before your foundation course if you're already you know a dentist who's done you know loads of facial anatomy totally different do it whenever you like um you know if you're if you've been nursing in a place that didn't require head and neck anatomy and you haven't thought about it for 10 years like you need to refresh that stuff yeah. and go in knowing roughly what you should expect and then you get the euphoric process of rediscovering it so what actually happens on the day are we are we injecting are we cutting are we are we just looking what's going on so um, you'll have some demonstrators there, and one of them's always a surgeon, and we'll go through the, you, they first basically do a little presentation style of the anatomy, particularly the layers of the face, because the three dimensions are one of the key things you want to get across. Um, and then we look at different compartments of the face, and you get to, if you want to, you get to do some dissecting yourself. So you actually go looking for the key elements of the anatomy in each section. That takes quite a long time, because we do each um, each part of the face using a scalpel apologies for my ignorance but yeah yeah so you'll have a uh, scalpel and other instruments there it's an amazing lab keel university have got like it it's nothing like what it was for me at leeds university which was slightly eerie you know 70s building <laughs> full of dead bodies and, and faded lighting you know this is like an operating theater but like wow. there's like eight eight different tables i think and all of them have got bright lights on them there's video audio visual equipment everywhere you can see on big screens if you'd rather wow. watch on screens um, so if you're, a geek, if you're an anatomy geek, you'll be in absolute heaven. Yeah, they've got loads of pro sections. They've got loads of models as well, um, little plastic models that are very detailed. Pro sections? It, uh, those are separate. They've already been um, sections of the face already cut out, or right. sections of. So they've been dissected by an expert, and you can look at you know to illustrate a specific thing, you can have a look at just at that. Um, but it is a phenomenal lab. Like it's way better than both both the labs. We I used to go to one at Leicester University and um, and at. Leeds. Leeds. And yeah, it's, it's head and shoulders above those two. 
of course it was a while ago since I was there and surely it's got a great lab <laughs> now but um, yeah it's very very smart air conditioned and cool and uh, obviously that that helps as well so you were taking us through the process so first of all uh we there's like a, a sort of a theory section so yeah, so we'll do the theory. I do some. I do a general talk around safety and injection, some of the principles around safety before you start. Then we'll do the dissection of each of each so presentation, then dissection, and then the thing I'm, we're going to add this year is um, do a couple of case studies where we actually do the reversal process that that particular patient needed. So I've got some good cases um, of actual occlusions that have happened, and oh, then wow. we're going to think through exactly how you would manage that, where the artery would be. Um, how you'd how you'd actually and then we can actually oh, physically amazing. inject those um, think, those patients or the cadavers in the way that you would for that patient that, that I didn't know you were doing that that's so powerful because with again going back to this to, to the mindset many people literally have trained and are competent in fillers and just will not do them because they are just so scared of occlusions which you know I respect that they are you know treating it in with the, with you know with the, in the way it needs to be but actually it's not okay if it's letting you, if it's going to stop you. And so if you're actually doing a case study of occlusions and then working that up in the cadavers, I mean, that's incredibly powerful. Mm. I would say to those people, if you're that way inclined, you'll probably end up being a safer clinician than average yeah. by some margin. Um, but only if you actually go ahead and work yeah. and do it, yeah. And the, other, the flip way of looking at it is that, you know, the industry needs people who are scared of complications to yeah. practice, not the ones who, who are gung-ho. Casual, yeah. So... Okay, well, now we're talking about kind of the industry. You, we've got this cadaver course, you know, whether it be our cadaver course or someone else's that you go on. Really? I mean, you know, have I got, should I really be doing that? Have I got the money? You know, is it, is it, is it right thing for my, commercially, for me in my practice? Well, because the commercial is quite interesting because I think it's, it's really, from patient's perspective, perspective you've, inst- you've got instant gravitas. And I right. highly recommend that you get the, those photographs taken of you on the cadaver course because it's... Not with the dead heads, obviously. They're not consented to. Yeah, but. you can't, but, you know, in your gown and, and uh, because ultimately it, it links to the fact that the type of clients that most of us want are actually really want you to be safe. And it, it highlights the fact that this is, you are sticking a needle into someone's face into their head and risking all sorts of structures and it's not it isn't just light-hearted would you want your lift your lips done love like it's more complex than that and, it, and i think it really makes the point being in that environment a couple of pictures on your instagram it is mm. does raise it raises the point in a positive way which i'm really keen on that this is a medical yeah um it, it, it's yeah what's the best way of saying it it's when I say positive, I don't like I don't like to, I don't like too much um, like on our skin Viva feed. I wouldn't make too much of the fact that some that non medics are injecting and that they call they may or may not cause more problems or whatever. They don't know certain stuff. It's what's more positive is to say, look at me. I'm out studying facial anatomy in incredible detail in a gold standard way. And mm. um, that's a much more positive way of making the point without referring to to the others that aren't. So I, I think that's a that's a more positive way of, of making the point. Yeah, but surely as well. I mean, to kind of answer my own question, is there not something about confidence as well that's just incredibly valuable? You know, almost that you can't put a price on it. If you if you walk away from that day feeling inspired and also just like wow, you know, I, I am at that level now, then you're going to be more confident. What do you think? Have you experienced oh, something you, like that? You're absolutely more confident because you, usually what people have is they they in their own minds before they come they have some, a couple of specific things they want to see. Like for me last time, I wanted to really see the the track of the supratrochlear artery into the eye. So I, di- I I had the opportunity to actually specifically dissect that particular artery. Wow. And then, it you know, it's different to how you imagined it. There's always some variation or some different. The big thing for me at that point was that it actually gets more superficial in the forehead more more quickly than I'd been taught. Right. So there's this rule of two centimeters, but actually it, the one, the cadaver we had was within a centimeter was right superficial, which is really clinically very important because that makes it more risky, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but it might change the degree with which I chase a, a, a labella crease if I was filling one, which I try not to do, try and use Botox much, much more than um, filler for that reason. But yeah, so most people come with a specific question they want to answer and they'll go exploring that at some point in the day. And then you get that answer and you feel differently about that area. And mm. you usually then you know what to do because you've seen it. You're freed up almost. Yeah. Just to crack on. and yeah, yeah. So do you think it does change your practice? Yeah, absolutely. Every, every time I've done one, I get something different out of it that changes your practice. There's always some, I mean, the one, 
that helped last time also we did this is the other thing we do during the day is you'll inject filler and see how it interacts with the tissues so exactly where is it landing up because it you need you need that to be safe um but it's you learn other things along the way so the main thing is how far is this filler from an artery but the other thing i learned is using a cannula for example in the cheek looks great really easy to compress it was much harder to compress the filler that was placed on the periosteum it was just in a tighter space than when it was laid in the layers of fat because you basically it's more like a sandwich so it was easier to spread mm. so i'm i'm immediately of the point of view that i'm more likely now to use a needle for cheeks where possible because it's a it's a bit more likely to retain the shape that i want mm. so little things like that happen wow that's fascinating and i i feel like just having if you if you ha- sometimes if you have an area a blind spot it weighs on you especially if you know about it it can just sort of be like a low level anxiety that you have and if you can just open that lift the lid on it with this amazing in this amazing amazing 3d way and a safe way of course you know that you can't yeah zero risk yeah zero risk Uh, a lot of people wanted to see the superior labial artery because they'd seen occlusions in lips right that that was um that's a great thing to be able to see because you get to see the layers of tissue and then it's that thing of being able to then imagine if my needle was here i can now see exactly how far away it is from the artery Mm. that's that's mind-blowing from thinking i'm near the artery i'm near the artery well you now know that you were three millimeters from the artery and actually that's that's more than three you know widths of your needle so you you know you know if you place it there you just feel an instant increase in confidence in that particular area yeah confidence and also like yeah look at me check me out i'm the shizzle <laughs> that's what i would feel i don't know whether anyone else would feel like that as well so you, do you think it makes you safer do you think it do you think absolutely i think it's well it's as long as you inter- integrate it and as long as you specifically are answering questions that are relevant to your practice that's that's the, almost the only point in the course is that you're going to be safer you're going to be more you're going to be more confident too but it's the the safety element is is built in because your your 3d model is so much more sophisticated so you're you're making decisions based on reality rather than a drawing that a graphic designer did in a textbook yeah yeah so the now our next particular cadaver course is on sunday the 9th of june and you are leading it, aren't you do you want to tell is there any other practical things you want to explain about the course uh, well, I think I've said most of it. At Keele University, 9th of June, um, there are a few places left. We saw quite a lot of them already. But mm. it's um, it'll be definitely an amazing day. We had loads of great feedback. Actually, we had people flying from all over the world. Yeah. We had someone from Nigeria and somewhere else, I can't remember, that was over continents away. Um, a few from Europe as well. So um, it'll be the same again. You'll have a... It's, it's, Although it's a kind of a serious day, it's also quite lighthearted. It's low pressure. It's actually one of the mm. easier training days because it's not. It is that explorative part of your mm. brain that you're using. It's not like here's 500 slides to to, to digest. You're actually or a human that will have opinions. Yeah. <laughs> so it's 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 actually for me because I'm so used to training with real people that it's it's actually a really relaxed day. I really mm. enjoy it. There's no there's no risk and that's really nice. Um, it comes across with the trainers and you people once they've warmed up to it really enjoy it. But what about just going briefly back to this imposter syndrome? Because a lot of people sort of think, well, am I worthy of being at that level? Is there anything you want to reassure or not, you know, about that? Um, well, we get we get a cross section from people who are and we had someone who who did it um, straight after foundation training and they really enjoyed it, got a lot from it. So you don't have to be some, you know, world class injector. We have we did have people who already own have independent clinics functioning as well. So there's a full spectrum. Um it doesn't really feel, yeah. I think the the great thing is people tend to latch on with the more skilled, and they'll listen. Like if you 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 rapidly pick up who whose anatomy is quite good, and just and then you can get to learn from them, and they'll they'll, and everyone's it's it's weirdly um, like it's just a really positive environment. Well, it wasn't the last time. It was kind of everyone exploring together. It's a it's a it's a low stress course in that way. So, mm-hmm. okay, fab. Well, is there anything else you wanted to say about? anatomy any other little tips that things that you could if i'm i'm just going along you know i'm considering the cadaver course but you know i I haven't quite booked on it yet so anything i can be doing little tips and tricks maybe engaging with content or any good good places in on the internet that you know that would be good to pick up tips and tricks yeah well identifying your your weak spot would be the first thing if you if you feel and that might start with reflecting on how you feel when you're injecting do you feel like you know do you feel like you're making a decision based on the anatomy or just doing what you've been always mm. done 
Um, and if you feel a bit of uncertainty with a particular area, like maybe you should dive in there and, and do some Googling and find some good pictures. Um, but the most important thing I've already said, which is then you integrate that knowledge yes. back into your consultation or you'll forget it. Yeah. So, And it might feel stupid, but you say to your client, um, I just need to make sure I'm in the right depth here because the artery is just underneath the muscle. I need to be above the muscle when I'm injecting. Um, and that just it just ingrains it in your mind in a way that just reading it once never will. Or it could be as simple as just taking a, ped, a pen and a pad after you've had a clinic and writing down some reflections. Yeah. Incredibly powerful. Or sharing on groups as well. We've had some beautiful examples on Skin Viva Trainee Network, which is a closed Facebook group for people who've trained with us, where people have literally just said, this thing happened to me. It might have even been about, you know, a, um, something that, was, that went you know, didn't go well, and they literally just do like a reflection piece, and everyone comes in and is like, "Wow, mate, thanks so much for that. That's really, really helped me in my practice." So I think being able to do that reflective, you know, practice, I think is incredibly, incredibly powerful. One more question: I'm, you know, for example, a nurse, let's say, and I'm hearing various, I'm getting my information about anatomy from various places. Who the hell do I trust? You know, do I trust colleagues? Well. Don't trust anyone who says it's just, it's one specific way, because <laughs> mm. it's it's more it's it's probabilistic. Like there's there are probabilities that you rely on. Um, so if if you get this this sense of the this the artery is always I mean there are places in the face where it's incredibly reliable, but there are more places where it's variable. Um, so you what I would suggest is you take everyone seriously, but you also take into account the people who disagree with them, and and over time. Um, you develop your, you've got to develop your own mental model. What yeah. I wouldn't do is re- redesign your entire mental model for every expert that contradicts the other one. It's right. like, oh, it's not this way. Facial anatomy is now completely different because I heard it differently at a different conference. Um, you, you want to think, well, someone says that, so I'll, I'll have to weigh that up for a while. Yeah. And you, you try and integrate as many... You build your own model using snippets of other people's models rather than throwing yours out with the, you know, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, as they say. I think that could be quite stressful as well. I think people will kind of throw their hands up and say, what? I thought it was this way and now you're telling me this? Wow, which one am I supposed to do? So I think actually your approach is, is more philosophical. It's kind of like, thanks for that. I'll bring that in and I'll, I'll almost evolve as I go and, and yeah. use, yeah, yeah. And yeah, people are, experts are often incredibly certain but mm. contradictory and that's hard for people to get their heads around. Um, because everyone feels their model is correct. You do, like, it feels like gravity. If I, some of the ways I describe things I've been doing for so long that I feel like that is absolutely the way. Um, and I have to always try and be humble and think, well, someone else is going to give a totally different description of that. And I need to weigh that up and think who's closer. And if I'm certain about mine, I'll stick with it. If I can improve it, I might do that. And maybe I'm wrong and I have to change it altogether. But, but the new injector sometimes thinks that they're wrong straight away. Mm. And they, they take the next expert and then the next one and they forget instead of iterating they they start from scratch all the time i like that i like that approach i think that will make me feel more i wouldn't have wild swings of thinking oh god yeah (gasps) stressful yeah yeah yeah. okay fab right well we'll link everything below and uh, we'll link to the cadaver course to your e-learnings as well i think we haven't spoken about those but that's obviously an amazing resource as well and particularly the complications e-learnings for botox and filler and um yeah yeah so yeah, if you're interested, there'll be a link. You can click on you can you can book the course online or you can yeah. give us a call, can't you? Um, but otherwise, you might be on the other side of the world, and I hope this has been really useful to you. Um, and you'll start to use your anatomy every day so that you inter- so that you integrate it more quickly. I think that's probably the take-home message. Okay, thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks so much.